Welcome to Pivotal. I'm Hayat Gallo, Corporate Vice President for Commercial Solutionaries at Microsoft. I work with customers around the globe to transform their business through technology. At the center of every transformation are people who give technology its purpose. They are the ones who spark visionary ideas for leveraging technology. And they have the drive to push them forward for their business while empowering others. We like to talk about technology. I love to talk about it. And we often forget the heroes behind technology and transformations. You, we forget you. And that's what I want to talk about through Pivotal. Technology is most exciting to me when serving the needs of real people and organization. When it's able to be used as a tool to fill a gap, in this case, to accelerate research, improve community health and safety, and support conservation efforts. That's exactly what Dr. Lillian Pintia, the Vice President of Conservation Science at the Jane Goodhall Institute USA, has done with the organization for nearly 20 years. Her truly revolutionary approach was the way how she approached chimpanzees, with humbleness, with deep focus and quiet observation, she was able to truly, deeply observe these animals. Jane Goodall, the renowned biologist and founder of our institute, calls Dr. Lillian Pintea, a brilliant and innovative scientist, with a deep understanding and respect for the people and wildlife he works with, and one of her favorite people. Working with the Jane Goodall Institute and studying chimpanzees was something Dr. Pintea dreamed about as a child growing up in Moldova and the former Soviet Union. I loved snakes and I, I loved to explore the nearby forests. I also loved to read. So I had a chance when I was a child to read books like Jane Goodall's books, which inspired me to become a conservation biologist and one day maybe work in Africa. She just opened this door to the chimpanzees and to their behavior and to their lives and through chimps actually helping all of us to open a door to ourselves and redefine that relationship between us and other animals and nature just inspired me so much. We're all connected to nature, right? And in my case, it was the time spent outdoors with my father, collecting mushrooms or fishing or camping. And of course, having the support of my parents, my mom, even though she was completely terrified of snakes, she was very supportive to, for me to follow my dreams and became a biologist. I was really fortunate to have loving parents and a community and experiences to enable me to dream and follow my dreams. Dr. Pintia's interest in snakes led him to a master's degree in zoology from Moscow State University in Russia. Through his early work as a biologist, he discovered the exciting possibilities of using satellite imagery to enhance and scale his work. This led to a lifetime passion for harnessing technology to enhance research. It became very clear to me right away that as a biologist, um, spending time on the ground trying to understand the local ecosystem, habitats, creatures, a view from space would be truly important and valuable. The earth from space is so beautiful that every time when I was looking at these ecosystems from space, it just truly engaged my heart in addition to gaining data just rediscovering the beauty of our planet at different scales, looking for patterns, looking for 
processes, understanding what's happening and why certain lakes are having certain forms or certain vegetation uh, are found in certain places. So that was just a, a beautiful way as a scientist to build my knowledge and understanding spatially, but at scale, which I could never have done it before, just being on the ground. So it's fortuitous that Dr. Pintia met Jane Goodall in 2000. While both of them were working in Tanzania, Dr. Pintea started collaborating with JGI as a graduate student at their primate center at the University of Minnesota, where students were manually digitizing more than 400,000 observations. For years, field researchers traveled through the jungle with stacks of journals, pens, pencil, paper, and binocular. And all this data was manually logged and physically flown to University of Minnesota in bags. By the way, all industries face this. So we're talking about conservationism, but in reality, every industry has a paper problem. We're logging stuff manually. I mean, that's the, the beauty of data. Data is the key. The effort was organized by Dr. Anne Pusey, director of JGI Research Center and professor of evolutionary anthropology at Duke University. Dr. Ann Pusey was very excited to advise a student who is interested in conservation and who is also bringing this technical skills of satellite imagery and, and GIS and mobile technologies to the job of researching, understanding, and conserving chimpanzees. Back then in 2000, those were still new technologies and tools in the field of animal behavior. This manual digitization effort was no small task. In the 1960s, Jane Goodall developed protocols that have been replicated by researchers over the last 50 years, creating one of the largest and longest-running mammal studies in the world. One of the main protocols, Protocol B, requires the field researcher to follow a focal chimpanzee and record information every 15 minutes. The location of the chimpanzee, who is in the group, what they're feeding on, what type of other behaviors are happening. And some behaviors were even recorded as frequently as every two minutes. I had the chance to connect the access database of this long-term data. Imagine bringing all this data into the GIS. And I remember looking at the map and these points start appearing one by one by one. And it took a while. It was more than 400,000 points of chimpanzee behavior observation, which have been collected on the ground by our amazing field researchers, digitized by this army of students. And then the work only started for scientists because now we had the data in the form which we could clean it, analyze it, organize it, visualize it, and start asking and testing hypotheses and writing models and, and statistics. In those years, JGI struggled to keep up with technology, to enable them to work at this scale. In 2000, the, the, the database which were used actually was very simple digitization, manual digitization tools which were used. A program was written by scientists at the computer department of the University of Minnesota. Imagine that you're in the forest and you're following these chimpanzees and something happened. And suddenly you have to wait three, five years for all the data to be digitized in order for you to have that better picture of actually what happened 
in that day. And then we start bringing the GIS system, geographic information systems, to start mapping this data. But only recently, with advances in cloud technology, face recognition, pattern recognition, that we truly started to think about bringing some new technologies to the table, which would allow us to do this work at scale, and maybe, maybe being able to catch up with this huge amount of data coming our way. And that critical transformation, in my opinion, was first the incredible breakthrough which we have been observing in the cloud technologies and, of course, the ability now to leverage artificial intelligence algorithms and the uh, workflows to then start engaging in in extracting data from images, pictures, videos, scanned PDF documents, and do it reliably at scale. With a fully digital, searchable archive, JGI researchers can better understand and detect patterns and answer long-standing questions, such as whether chimps actively teach their offspring to ingest medicinal plants. For example, young chimps eat rough leaves that hurt their throats to rid themselves of parasites. And researchers still don't know how that skill gets transferred from their parents. The Microsoft Azure data science team worked with JGI to build workflows where AI can detect specific individual chimpanzees and extract behaviors from their interaction with each other. In fact, AI can detect things that the human eye would miss. For us, the reason why this is important is because often we are missing certain um, behaviors or elements when we are looking at the chimps, what's happening in the chimps. So being able for the artificial intelligence to ask specific questions or point us to specific behaviors or enabling us to ask when that particular behavior, like in this case, is using self-medication because they are ingesting the sleeves as a way to help them clean from some gut intestinal parasites. And that is a learned behavior which they are learning from watching their mothers and the way they decide to use and how this culture and behavior is actually then communicated and shared in the community is something of great interest and importance for behavior scientists. So we could ask questions about when certain chimps were together in different groups where we can extract questions what they were doing in those groups. This is still research in progress, and there are many other behaviors which could be potentially extracted from this material. Once we get all our database organized and talking to each other, I think we will see an explosion of new insights into the chimp behavior. Harnessing the power of AI gives researchers a deep understanding of the lives of the chimpanzees with less manual work, freeing them up to focus their expertise on more valuable work. Like Bill Wallier, for example. Bill is a videographer and 30-year veteran at JGI, and he's captured thousands of hours of footage. Media Valley Audio and Video Intelligence, which is built on Azure, makes it fast for Bill to automatically tag video footage with metadata. And through active learning, AI can identify individual chimps based on their vocalization, and then document those behaviors. This is really important because not only can AI tag and document chips faster and with better accuracy, Bill's time and expertise can be focused on more valuable projects. This is where the technology meets the human to accelerate groundbreaking work. And then it engages Bill, and it's asking Bill, well, it looks like 
this chimp may be this individual, but we're not sure. We're also not sure if this chimp maybe is a, it's a child or is the parent when the parent was a child, because maybe they were very similar. And it truly engages Bill's expertise to be used not randomly, but with more driven purpose. And Bill then is challenged to go back to his notes and actually answer some really difficult questions instead of just identifying a chimp, which is the system can do it very easily. How cool is this? AI is actually making Bill more effective, challenging him in ways that he couldn't be challenged before. And the AI doesn't end with cloud technology and digitization tools. Dr. Pintea is working with Microsoft Project Premonition, an AI tool using smart mosquito traps connecting to Azure IoT Hub, which uses lasers to detect the frequency of the wings of different insects. They capture mosquitoes and then use tools to extract which animal this mosquito has been feeding on. And if those animals are carrying diseases and pathogens, these datasets are now used by communities to help to better understand, anticipate, and address pathways for disease transmission, not just in chimps, but also humans. Azure cloud infrastructure enabling users like us not to spend too much time in building processes and tools, but quickly customizing them, leveraging them, deploying them, and focus on what we can do best. And that is working with users and decision makers on the ground to actually use this information for better decisions. In fact, working with local community has been critical. It's been the key to Jane Goodall's Institute's long-term success in Gombe, Tanzania. Jane Goodall calls this the Takare approach, which stands for take care, and puts local communities in charge of preserving the natural world around them. It's an intentional collaboration between conservationists and local residents throughout Africa. Together, they're using the latest science and technology to find ways to balance local community needs with their surrounding ecosystems. More than 80% of biodiversity is in the hands of local communities and local indigenous people. So if you truly want to see an impact on conservation and making a difference with all this amazing data, the question is actually how to unlock this potential for this technology with the local communities, with the decision makers and stakeholders which are making daily decisions as we speak. I just love this. It's not about JGI. They just get it. It's about how the community is going to take it and carry what they're trying to achieve. If the technology is working with the buy-in of local stakeholders and decision makers, it can be so much more effective to serve the goals of the community in the long term. In the 1960s, Jane's approach was innovative not only from the animal behavior science perspective, but the way how she viewed traditional knowledge, the way how she viewed and valued local people's knowledge, and the way how she integrated them into the long-term research. We realize that humans as decision makers are not necessarily rational. Information quality and accuracy is important, but what's truly even more important for decision-making, for conservation, is the trust in data and the ownership of decision-making process itself. So what we realized by working with local communities for all these years, thanks to the work which Jane started in Tanzania in the 1960s, 
And by working so closely with local communities, by working so closely with local governments, by expanding this work not just in Tanzania, but in Uganda, DRC, Republic of Congo, Senegal, we realized that in order for us to truly unlock this potential of technology and science, we need to bring the science and technology in the decision-making process from the beginning. So what a critical moment for JGI, because they realize you can't really rely on humans. You got to have this data to inform the right decision. And without establishing local trust, the Jayden Goodall Institute would never have been able to bring technology to the forefront of their conservation efforts. There would be, for sure, great potential for expedited research and conservation work, but no practical implementation. This is what we call a network effect. We need to have a seat and it shouldn't be driven by science. It should be driven by the people themselves and they should own. They shouldn't be just engaged. They should actually own and drive decisions about their own livelihoods and about their landscapes where science and technology is presented as tools, as input, and it creates a space where communities, government officials, decision makers have a chance to have a dialogue. They have a chance to trust it. They have a chance to engage it. And when these conditions are happening, the power of technology is, and, and, the, and the capacity of science and knowledge can be truly unlocked. And so they sat down with local communities. Supporting them to develop land use plans so they can better manage forests to protect their watersheds, to protect their water sources, but also to help them use the forest resources. But Dr. Pintea emphasizes we should not forget the wildlife. I usually say that when we sit down with local stakeholders, local communities, decision makers, government officials, chimpanzees are missing from that meeting. And GGI's role is to speak on behalf of the chimpanzees as well, in addition to active listening to people's needs and their livelihood needs and the way how they make decisions about resources as what's important to them. It's our obligation as well to bring to the table and put on the same map what chimpanzee conservation needs are, and through that also at some level speak also for the natural ecosystems and the forest functions. And if you think about it, all this data is actually giving more power to JGI's voice as they're trying to represent the needs of the chimpanzees or the community. How powerful. Since their mission is holistic, the need for science and information are holistic. Embracing smart AI in data asset management allows them to gather, organize, share, and analyze data at scale in a way that can truly support their holistic vision and mission and amplify their global impact. So when, I, when we talk about leveraging technology for us, it means not only implementing the latest artificial intelligence, face recognition algorithm to, to do a specific work. It's actually connecting that data with other type of data and leveraging and using it together in order to support work and achieve, in order to achieve this holistic vision. What's cool about this is that today they're using this data for a specific purpose. Tomorrow, somebody may need to look at a different angle and it can still leverage this data. It just has a lasting impact. We learned a mind-bending statistic. 90% of all the data in the world that has been created has been generated in the last two years. And this has been true for the last 30 years. 
It's hard for the brain to comprehend, but it feels very hopeful as we think about the expanding potential to unlock data as an actionable information to drive meaningful impact for local conservation efforts. One example of the Takere approach can be seen in the reforestation effort near the villages among the hills around Gombe National Park. Using satellite images, GGI was able to work with the community they had a long-standing relationship with and support land use planning efforts. With GGI's holistic approach, cutting-edge science and tools were able to support community-driven conservation efforts to reverse deforestation and reduce landslides. What we realized by working all these years with local communities and decision-makers is that in order for people to change their behavior, we need to connect our amazing minds with our compassion hearts. Community members were able to compare printed-out images of two maps a tangible representation of how their land use affects shared resources, and it made a difference. Farmers voluntarily relocated their farms. Communities were incentivized to produce other less harmful agriculture. And slowly, the streams returned, the trees grew back, and the landslides became less frequent. GGI really put people at the center of this conservation effort and they empowered them to use geographical information system technology as a transparent framework to work towards a common goal. And this one is a great example. Technology without purpose doesn't lead anywhere. They had a common goal, and it just enabled them. Because we implemented it with Takare, every farmer realized that their personal sacrifice will benefit the community, will benefit their future generation, their children, and... I, when I look at those hills again and I see this forest coming back, it truly gives me hope because if we can replicate similar factors and conditions, if we can not only have access and use technology, but the way how we used it, if we can replicate those factors, then there are so many places around the world and in our own communities which would benefit from such an approach. So that gives me hope, that gives me the energy and inspiration to keep going and try to share those insights and lessons learned and you know, continue learning about new technology and tools, but continuously bringing those technologies on the ground and working together to convert them into meaningful, actionable information. You can read more about Jane Goodall and Dr. Pintia's holistic approach to conservation in their new book, Local Voices, Local Choices, the Takere Approach to Community-Led Conservation. As for what's giving Dr. Pintea hope in the future, it tells us about JGI's long-running youth program, Roots and Shoots. Roots, of course, it's, it's in the ground, they form a foundation, they reach deep, they provide that, that access to nutrients and resources deep in the ground. But then shoots are able, even though they are so small and, and maybe gentle, they can break through the, the, the most hardest barriers out there and together can provide change. And if the, group, the roots and shoots groups can identify projects, one, may, one for the animals, one for the people, one for the environment, and do something about, they will soon find out that those issues which they are addressing are interconnected and they will... Find hope through action. And this is what it's all about. It's about inspiring individuals to take action on behalf of 
animal, planets, and environment on behalf of their communities. Roots and Shoots has spread to nearly 100 countries and has established a network of young people who carry Jen's conservation ethic and holistic approach to making the world a better place for people, animals, and the environment. Dr. Pintia has come a long way from studying snakes in his use in Moldova, but his interest in the intersection of technology and conservation has been constant. Dr. Pintia's journey is really inspirational. And by the way, it just illustrates anybody can take advantage of the resources we make available to nonprofits so that they, you can drive your own results. The conservation biology as a field is relatively new. 30, 40 years ago, when we, we just started to be conservation biologists, I became conservation biologist because I, I didn't want it to be just an ecologist. I wanted to be part of addressing the biodiversity crisis with real solutions in the real world. And at that time, the idea was that, well, as a scientist, the best thing which you can do is take out your white academic coat and leave it in a lab and take a bus to the real world and sit down and understand how the decision makers make decisions and then find out what the questions are, then come back in the lab, put your code back, develop solutions, and then go back and bring the solutions to them. We all understand that the problems which we're dealing regarding our climate our biodiversity, the emerging pandemics and diseases are so, the scale of these challenges are so large and we require those systemic changes that in order to achieve that, we cannot do it without technology. But to, in order for that technology to truly um, uh, have a chance to impact change in a positive way, it has to be brought in into the hands of the decision makers themselves, of the people who make those decisions on a daily basis. And in case of biodiversity and conservation, the local communities, the local stakeholders is essential. Dr. Pintea and Jane Goodall Institute modeled how to effectively integrate technology into their workflow to enhance their research. And in that process, they've also provided responsive, transparent system to communities on the ground, which enables them to have a lasting impact. Their dedication to engagement and trust from local community is a great example for what is possible for not just chimpanzee and conservation work, but improving the individual lives, health of communities, and the planet. Technology is at its best when it's enabling us to do our best work. And this story about the Jane Goodall Institute actually fills me with optimism to see what the latest cloud technology can do and how they can be leveraged to protect the biodiversity of our planet. Dr. Pintia used the phrase, connecting brains with hearts, and I just love that. So I'm going to keep that phrase top of mind and think about how we can constantly be improving our tools to keep people, to keep you at the center of all we do. Thank you for listening to Pivotal. I'd love to hear your story and your Pivotal moment, so don't hesitate to follow me and share on LinkedIn. Audience information is also available in the show notes. Our show is produced by Large Media, that's L-A-R-J Media. Special thanks to Lin Yang and our partners at We Communications.